Welcome to the Limitless Athlete Podcast by Mindset RX. I'm your host, Tom Foxley, and you're listening to The Debrief, where myself and Rachel Burnett, our head coach, are going to discuss the key lessons, insights gleaned from the Limitless Athlete Podcast with Anna Lemka, Dr. Anna Lemka, I should say. We're also going to be adding our little twist on this. We're going to be giving you some advice around how we advise stopping self-sabotaging behavior. So what what kind of things are you doing when you get stuck in those mental ruts? Is it comparison? Is it eating crap? Is it not doing your recovery work? That's what we're going to be discussing. Those things that you know you kind of you should or you shouldn't be doing that still annoy you. So we're going to go on over a quick debrief for how dopamine works. Um, but mainly we're focusing on fixing compulsive behaviors and around checking the leaderboard too. So we're going to expand on what are numbing behaviors and how to stop obsessing over the leaderboard and becoming a mindful athlete. So let's get on the show and get you some brain gains. I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm willing to work as hard as I can. There is no past, there's no future, there's just this moment right here. If I did that, if I can get through that, like, come at me. Changing how I saw myself, like, as a man, not just as, as an athlete. It's okay that I struggle. It's okay, that's part of the deal. That's how I respond to it. Let's discuss unconscious patterns of self-sabotage, how we stop them, how we keep um, moving ourselves forward despite these unconscious patterns. Mm, let's. Let's indeed. Yeah. <laughs> What's the problem with these situations? I know it's obvious to say that, but like, but yeah, why why is this self-sabotage pattern not great for us, Rachel? Yeah. So uh, when we're talking about compulsive behaviors and training, specifically what we're discussing is leaderboarding. So either during the open or competitions or within your, uh, a lot of gym software now um, is an app on a phone and you can check um, other people's scores. You can even like them, um, which we can also talk about the dopamine that occurs there um, and making comparisons in general, even on, um, you know, an actual physical whiteboard. There is um, often we see a compulsive need to check the whiteboard and check the leaderboard. And the reason that this is self-sabotaging and um, harmful is because it's creating a, an addiction to the information that's provided. And because it's not information that we have control over, I don't control whether or not I beat somebody else in the gym. I control whether or not I give my best effort. And sometimes that'll be winning. And sometimes it'll be coming up short because I don't have control over that. I've now handed over my happiness to somebody else, my contentment and satisfaction. And the thing is what we learned about dopamine with Anna Lemka in this podcast is if I get that low, if I don't see the ranking that I want, I then want it even more. And sometimes that leads us to work harder. And sometimes it leads us to just check more compulsively. And that disconnect is what leads to overtraining, mm. burnout, like we talked about last week. Yeah. So what's important there is like, this can be a serving thing. We can use it. Like it can, the gamification of everything now 
can be used really well if it's used intentionally but when it's used unintentionally and it's just happening to us that's when things get a little bit dangerous for us and that's when it can lead into these unconscious patterns and unaware patterns of disruptive behaviors so we have this like leaderboarding effect um Maybe this is just me talking about me, but I see it in a lot of people as well. The phone use thing, like finish a set of weightlifting, get on your phone. It's like right on that Instagram scrolling. Totally. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. (laughs) I realized once I was scrolling through an Instagram feed that wouldn't load because I was in an underground gym. I'm like, what am I doing here? This is completely, completely pointless, (laughs) futile activity. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. I need it. (laughs) Yeah. Exactly. Right. Um, So these are the two big ways that I see self-sabotage and kind of those compulsive behaviors and training showing up. Are there any other ways that you see, see things going on there? Um, Nutrition's probably one. Mm, Sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's so much to talk about in nutrition. Um, Restricting diets compulsively is definitely a big problem, especially among women because we're taught not to eat enough. Honestly, Um, we can also see this in, um, like compulsive training in general. So the inability to take an unplanned rest day. You can also see it in compulsive behaviors around improvement. So uh, dedication and persistence are really positive qualities, but we can also turn them against ourselves in, in like a punishing way. So it's, I didn't do snatches right in the workout. So I'm going to make myself snatch after this workout. And if I don't get it right, I'm going to be pissed off at myself. Like that's just a really shitty way to feel. Yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. Right. What I found incredibly interesting throughout Anna's podcast was Mm -hmm. she just, these nuanced bits on dopamine. I think most people are aware of like, Oh, dopamine's like the feel good thing. It, you, yeah. you do things when, and uh, sorry, dopamine's released and it feels good. Yeah. But the, a few kind of nuanced things changes everything mm-hmm. around. It's around the expectation of reward, not the reward itself. So when your body's expecting or when your mind and brain are expecting a reward, that's when there's a little squirt of dopamine. It's like, oh, that, that's going to feel good. So I'm going to keep on doing that. Um, <laughs> that I'm going to rephrase what squirt. <laughs> yeah, I, heard, I can't remember what I heard the other day. And I was like, oh, and then it's obviously steeped into, but yeah, let's, let's not use that again. Um, and it's just like, all it's doing is it's making you likely to repeat this. It's making uh-huh. you kind of, you're just, okay, I'm more likely to perform this behavior in the future. That's why it's there. That's yeah. the main reason it's there to kind of reinforce these strategies. And evolutionarily, great, like, because the berries were scarce, like yes. everything was. You had to um, keep looking for exactly. pleasure. Exactly. Yeah. We were in a scarce environment where yeah. is now everything is abundant and um, yeah. may not feel it because yeah. of our neurochemistry, but like, you know what? It is abundant. Life is yeah. pretty good right now. Um, so it's like evolutionarily wise. Um, yeah. And these kind of small things that I found very, very useful, especially when it comes to changing compulsive behavior around training. Cause it's like, okay, I'm doing this because I'm expecting a reward. There might not actually be a reward coming. I might, this might just be a, a trick in my, my, biological makeup. Hey, if you're enjoying this episode, chances are you'll enjoy our free ebook, How to Stop Substandard Self-Critical Plateaus and Unleash Your Potential. It's a step-by-step guide to finding your mojo again and getting back to the athlete you know you can be. It's free, you just have to stick your email address in and download it. 
To find it, head to mindsetrx.com slash ebook. That's mindsetrxd.com slash ebook. Now let's get on with the show. So with that, what are the kind of, why is what we've done? Why is leaderboards, leaderboarding harmful? Mm. What about numbing behaviors? What about Mm. things that we do that, that numb? Yeah. Uh, you know, social media is a big one. And honestly, we could call leaderboarding a numbing behavior as well, right? Like when we, when we feel discomfort or, um, a kind of lowness, we'll often seek a high. So that seeking is the dopamine. And so when we experience that compulsion to scroll through social media, to check the leaderboard again, to see if maybe our ranking went up, um, or to see if we got more likes on a post, um, on social media, um, or to check our weight again. That's another one checking weight compulsively. Um, when we, when we do wait, I forgot the question (laughs) (laughs) and numbing. Numbing. Let's talk about numbing. So when we, when we do those things compulsively, um, that, uh, that numbing behavior, turning away from the discomfort actually reinforces the behavior, the numbing behavior Mm -hmm. when what would be more serving is to sit with the discomfort instead and examine why the discomfort exists. Mm. So if I'm, if I'm in the gym, um, I'm checking my app to see, all right, like how did I stack up today? I felt, and I'm sure a lot of people have experienced this. You finish a workout and you're like, I crushed that. Like, I know that I left it all on the floor. I did awesome. And you look because you're like, Ooh, I want to see how bad I crushed it. And you look and a few people beat you. And suddenly the workout that you felt so good about, it doesn't feel so good anymore. Now you feel like crap. So you've checked it and you've completely changed your neurochemistry because you checked. If instead we can learn to accept our effort as being enough rather than needing it, that external reward, that external praise, uh, we'll find ourselves just much more content with training. And Anna talks about this. There's a reason that we, that we compare and leaderboard. It's because we are seeking belonging. Um, we're, we're neurologically wired to try to belong and to be a part of a tribe. So that evidence is being sought through the leaderboard, through likes on social media, through being a certain weight. Mm. But we can actually find belonging in much more serving ways, namely by connecting with people on an authentic level. But it's nice. harder. <laughs> yeah, way harder. I, it's way so much harder. easier just to double tap a heart shaped button. It sure is. <laughs> way easier. It doesn't work. Um, effort over outcome. That's the key takeaway I, I got from that. It's like, okay, yeah. let's learn and learn the skill, which is a difficult thing to do, yeah. of appreciating effort and not just the outcome um incredibly difficult thing to do but it's definitely possible yeah it's practiced it's definitely a practice yeah and she outlines a way to do that so we can talk about that too yeah let's there's a there's a few elements and we go through the um we go through the dopamine um acronym there we go we got the right word we go into the dopamine app acronym within the podcast but there's a few key points that really overlap so neatly with the mindset rx method and this process of change that i think it's worth um pulling them out and talk about how we work with that at mindset rx and see how we can guide some athletes towards um towards growth here so the first 
the first section of my first section of my Xerox method is testing, right? It's like it's figuring out where we are right now. And that comes up in three parts of the dopamine acronym. First one of those is data. So when we talk about gathering data about our mindset and gathering data about our behaviors, how would you recommend athletes start with that? The easiest way to do it is by writing it down either in a paper journal or in a document that you can keep in you know, your Google Drive. Something that's searchable can actually be really helpful. But that, that ability to find total honesty with ourselves first and then also with other people uh owning up to to what we've what we've been doing um that brings our um unconscious behaviors and thoughts and emotions to consciousness and bringing it to consciousness is how we how we do testing yeah we're starting to get scientific about this we're stop relying on hopes and we're saying, no, I'm going to become scientific. I'm going to see this as objectively as possible. And it comes down to the whole point of the testing phase, which is, can I see myself and the world as objectively true as possible? So we're, we're seeking truth, yes. not what we hope is the case or not what we're used to believing is the case. Yes. Ooh, there's definitely something to that, right? Like you really have to be willing to accept that what you, maybe this was in Richard's podcast, you, um, seeking truth means that you have to be willing to accept that you might've been wrong before. Mm, uncomfortable. Uncomfortable. Really and uncomfortable. let's probably say that we probably are wrong in so many ways of, of what we're doing. Um, but that is just a hundred, um, exactly a hundred as well. Um, <laughs> that is, yeah, like, and even if we build things out, like that is how you find growth in any area, whether it's politically, whether it's in terms of training, whether it's in terms of relationships, whether it's in terms of businesses, your like whatever it is, like it's what is the truth? How can we find the truth? And it's no different with compulsive behaviors. It's like, what am I doing? And like, how can I gather data about it? So how often am I checking my leaderboarding app? Maybe I just, I look at, I clock how many times I look up to see the leaderboard in my training session. Um, Maybe I look at my phone use and pull up that app that shows you how much time you're spending on it each day. That is always upsetting for everyone. Yeah. 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 The the worst thing you want to do then, and probably the best thing in, in the long run, but the most uncomfortable thing is multiplying that out over a year it's like okay if i try times this by 52 how much of this year did i spend looking at instagram and yeah (laughs) yeah and then if i yeah and then it gets even worse if i transfer that out over the entire like my what is my expected lifetime yeah that is really really sad Many of those digital well-being or screen time apps will also show you how often you open apps, right? So I opened this app five times, right? So that's another way to gather like data on this. How many times am I opening my yeah. my whiteboard app? Yeah. Yeah. And then I think from a mindset perspective as well, that writing shit down, observe your inner athlete as we call it, the more you can check back in and watch and look at what you've written and try and mine the details from it, mine the data from it. It's like, okay, this phrase is coming up time and time again. Mm-hmm. This feeling, this emotion, this physical sensation is coming up time and time and time again. And that is then, it's a data point. It's a subjective data point, but it's still a data point. It's like, this is yeah. what I'm experiencing multiple times. 
I think too, one of, one of the pieces of the dopamine acronym is the P for problems. Like what mm-hmm. are the negative consequences of me doing this? Right. Yeah. Cause we can say all we want, like you opening Instagram 30 times in a day is probably wasting your time. What are the actual negative consequences of that? Not just in wasted time, but in how you feel. I 100% guarantee that not all 30 times we open that app, do we feel better afterwards? More often we feel worse. Yes, exactly. And the that's just the short-term consequences and the long-term yes. consequences can be even more important. There's yeah. this I, I think something that people get wrong with mindset on a consistent basis yeah. is that we have to be all rainbows and unicorns about things it's like oh just focus on the positive side of things and like i'll just don't you and like just aim at what you could be in every and like there's nothing wrong with that being positive about things like obviously i'd I'd rather be a little bit more positive than a little bit more negative but the carrot and the stick provide equal motivation and sometimes you really have to look reality in the face and see how uncomfortable it's going to be if you are ever going to do anything about these dopamine loops, about these non-serving behaviors? One of my favorite questions to ask myself is if you keep doing this, or if you don't change this, what's your life going to be like six months to a year from now? Like, how are you going to feel about that? Like that can Mm -hmm. be a really scary question. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, really, really good question. It forces you to confront reality because that will be your reality in a year's time. And you've got a chance to do something about it now. Right. Exactly. The other part of this, of the testing phase that overlaps so nicely with the um, with the dopamine acronym, is objectives. Yeah. Like, what are your objectives for, for doing this? Like, what are you trying to get? What are you trying yeah. to feel? Are you trying yeah. to numb yourself, like we've spoken about before, or are you trying to address a feeling of inadequacy? Mm-hmm. Or you, like, what's the emotional driver behind it? Yeah. And there might Did be a physical drive to motivate you. And that's yes. why you keep doing it, but it doesn't motivate you anymore. That's definitely a thing. Sometimes our behaviors are initially adaptive and then they're not in the long run. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's, that's so true. We grow and yeah, right. like time is another, oh God, here we go. Here we're into, right into these. Time is another dimension that's just as valid as space. Yes. So we've got to recommend that whilst we're moving through space, we are or recognize that whilst we're moving through space, we're also moving through time and we're in a very different place. We're in a very different experience. Mm -hmm. So as an athlete, that means that you've got to recognize that you are a different person than you were three years ago and you will change. Hopefully you will change and you have changed and time has changed and you're in a different environment that, that quote around no man stands in the same river twice because the river is different and the man is different. Like there you're a different like you're a different human being, you have different, slightly different drivers. They're sure there's a baseline, but the world is different too. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Mm. So we have the testing phase. That's really the first thing in mindset works that we do. We start with testing. We and we really do a lot of these things. We gather data, we look for objectives, and we isolate the problems that are yeah. going to come about from these behaviors. That's mm. really a big step in this. Yeah. Then I think presence is a big piece as well. We can talk about aiming up and I think um, absence is a part of that, but I think presence is a big thing here. And Anna talks about mindfulness. Mm. How do you begin working on mindfulness with athletes, Rachel? Mm. And just chuck that problem on you. That's so, that's so uncomfortable for so many of us. Um, Mindfulness and presence, uh, 
require the very difficult ability to sit with discomfort. So it's essentially learning to tolerate suffering rather than running away from it in some way, uh, either by seeking dopamine um, or by um, numbing in some new way. That's often what happens. We might give up social media, but then all of a sudden we're like watching TV more. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So we're, we're constantly seeking this new entertainment distraction from reality. Yes, exactly. Mm. Yeah. But learning to tolerate the, um, the feelings of discomfort that lead to the seeking of numbing is really important. And I think this is where um, Anna talked a little bit about this. Um, what she said was when we numb or um, try to escape from suffering, we also escape from meaningfulness and purpose. So you can't have it both ways. And Brene Brown talks about this in her book, The Gifts of Imperfection. We can't experience, or excuse me, we can't numb uh, discomfort or suffering without also numbing our ability to feel joy. So you either numb everything or you feel everything. So you can either choose to live a life that exists in this very narrow band, or you can experience the full spectrum of human suffering and joy. It, it, there's no, there's no way around that, but mindfulness requires us to be able to sit still. And so meditation is a really good, um, but, uh, <laughs> difficult, uh, project to take on. But honestly, we can practice mindfulness in very small ways too. Like rather than going through the motions while preparing a meal, attempting to prepare a meal with full presence in what we're doing. So feeling the, and even eating a meal, feeling the weight of the fork in our hand and taking a bite and chewing it before swallowing it rather than shoveling it in, which is what I do, <laughs> but actually tasting our food and thinking about how it tastes and setting the fork down in between bites. We can also do this with training. So mm. stepping into the gym and being fully present in what's going on rather than thinking about everything that's happened in the past or everything that's going to happen in the future it takes mm. practice takes practice. Yeah. But meditation is a nice tool for this because you're technically taking yourself away from all of the distractions that make it difficult to build the skill. And you can meditate for two minutes and get something out of it. Yeah. Especially initially, like yes. that you're, all you're trying to do is build the ability to be aware of exactly what's happening. On That's what yes. you do. You're just like, okay, what's happening? What am I feeling? Yeah. Like just, just looking, just watching, you're becoming the observer and mm -hmm. actually put out and the email that I put out today. Um, yeah. If you're going to wash the dishes, just wash the dishes. That's all you're, yeah. you're all there to do rather than complaining about like, Oh, what am I doing here? Like, mm -hmm. Oh, I hate doing this is such a waste of time, blah, 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 blah. Just get on with it and, and yeah. see it. Like that is a useful moment to train your mindfulness. And we don't have to be sat in a lotus position in a saffron robe with incense burning <laughs> to meditate. Yes. Like we can. Yeah, in a perfect room. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's fine. Yeah. The dog is often in my lap while mm -hmm. I'm meditating. So yeah, there's a, there's and a walking meditation. <laughs> there's a walking meditation you can do which is just you're walking around and you just become aware of what reality looks like it's like okay what am i seeing right now and where am i in this world yeah. and if you just keep on walking around and looking around at what's happening and really thinking what is it like for me to experience this you are getting mm -hmm. the benefit of meditation mm -hmm. and that will transfer yeah. to so many different areas so you have that mindfulness piece um mm -hmm. and then when it comes to actually abstaining from those actions that aren't serving you mm. you have 
more awareness of the subtleties of emotion and physiological change that are going to lead you into that rut of non-serving behaviors. Yeah. Yeah. And thank you for bringing up the physiological change because that's what's going on. Like that, that like craving to check the leaderboard or to check our weight, um, that craving is, um, it's chemical, it's dopamine. So if we can learn to just say like, this is just dopamine, I can sit through it and it will pass over time. If we can learn to, to abstain from those things, then eventually the chemical wears off. Yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So in summary, is there anything else you want to add before I wrap up? I think, I think the last piece of dopamine is really important experiment. It's okay for it to, um, be a little sticky to fall off the wagon is human. Um, and, uh, just trying things is worthwhile because that is what, uh, leads to growth is trying things and failing and trying again. Yeah. Yeah. So in summary, then these behaviors that are compulsive are preventing our progress through making us feel shitty in in a lot of ways they're wrecking the kind of the balance of our minds and they're causing us to do things that don't serve us time 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 again um and don't move us forward whereas we could be investing that energy otherwise and the way we are we're going to overcome that is by firstly testing our mindset so gathering data what are the objectives of this behavior and what problems is it is it creating and like how am i numbing this and then developing this mindfulness around this so developing presence and yes you want to create a vision of who you can be without this and create goals and all this kind of thing but that mindfulness piece is key and we're going to do that through kind of yes meditation is a, is a good tool and it's a great tool but it's not this it's not the ashram version that i think we've all been led into believing it is so we become mindful we become aware of what's happening right now and that leads to us becoming aware of the subtleties of emotion and physiology which means we can enact change thank you for listening to the debrief partner episode of the limitless athlete podcast make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out on upcoming episodes We'll be speaking to CrossFit Games athletes, coaches, authors, and other inspiring people who are going to help you find your next level inside and outside of the gym. Loads of awesome future podcasts coming right up. If you can leave a great five-star review and share the episode with your friends, that would be great. See you next week with another mindset-shifting interview and a debrief episode to follow up.